It's great to see you. I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, Genesis 21. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Genesis. And in this section, of course, the focus is on Abraham. And oftentimes, Abraham is called the man of faith. He's the man set apart by God. He's the one that's going to bring, bring through him a great nation and through him the Messiah and the Savior of the world. This is why it's said that through him all the nations of the world will be blessed. We're seeing really a hard part right now, though, because Abraham is about to remove one of his sons from the household. The son is Ishmael, and he must go. It looks bad, but it really is what's right. We'll see this as we go through the passage. In fact, what we see tonight is there's a conflict. The conflict between the two sons of Abraham. One, of course, is Isaac, and he's, he's really a picture of promise and grace, where Ishmael is a picture of law and works. In fact, that's what we saw. In fact, uh, when we saw last time and we started talking about these two sons, of course, one is a picture of promise and grace because Isaac was the son of the promise. In fact, uh, Abraham and Sarah didn't do anything, basically, to get this son because they were past the time that they could have a child, but there it is. But Ishmael is a picture of law and works and all of that because Abraham took it in his own self and, and uh, Sarah herself and Hagar and all that to have this son, and that's how it fits together. As we look at this section, we're going to continue to see in the great truth that God is the provider, protector. He provides and protects. Over and over we see this. It's true in our lives. Think about it. He provides a Savior, a Savior, Jesus Christ. He protects us day after day after day. He provides day after day. He keeps us secure. All of that ties together. So when you think about our lives, He is the provider, protector. This evening we continue seeing how God provides and protects not only Isaac, because we look at this and you say, really, removing Ishmael is the protection for Isaac. We'll talk about that. But we're going to see how God provides and protects Ishmael as well. And at the very end of the passage, how God provides and protects for Abraham over and over is the same thing. Well, let's start with a prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for each one that has come. Lord, thanks for the fun that we have as we come together to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy to us. Lord, we thank you for uh, the fact that we can come together as believers, look at the Word of God, see the truths there, and make application in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are indeed the provider, protector. You have provided with us a Savior. You protect us day after day after day. You provide day after day after day. So thank you, Lord, for all of that. Lord, most of all, again, thank you again for Jesus. Teach us now, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are a number of ways that, that man can think about God. There's really two big views stand out. Here's one. One is this, that God created the world, step back and let it go. That, that's the fact that some people say he's really not involved. That What God did is he created, and he's separate from his creation. He allows it to take its course. Occasionally he might intervene, but basically God just sort of wound up the world and let it go. And there's some people who hold to that. There's a second view that God created the world, and he cares about every aspect of the world that he's working all events according to his will, that he knows and cares about everything, that he is a personal God. Well, as we think about our passage and as we think about our lives, we see clearly that God is a personal God who cares about his creation. He is actively involved in all the events as he cares about us and all the things that come our way. Well, this evening, we're going to see a continue seeing the life of Abraham. And we see, once again, God who cares? He intervenes in the lives, providing and protecting. He cares about Abraham. He cares about Isaac. He cares about Ishmael. It all ties together. In this passage, you could say that it's a sad time. It's a sad time because Abraham has to remove his son Ishmael from the household. He loves the son. In fact, he really would like the son to be taken care of. And it looks, in a sense, it almost looks bad. 
But this is really part of God's plan, and we'll see it in our lives. Remember, sometimes things that come in our lives, and they actually look bad, or they don't look like they're good. You say, gosh, I don't know if that's any good. But remember that God is in control, and he's working all things according to the counsel of his world. He's working everything together for good. So he cares about us more than we could even imagine. Well, let's begin, and let's think about chapter 21. There's a change here. The household will never be the same again. The oldest son is removed. And as we think back, let's remember what happened. Abraham was 75 years old. He was living in the earth of the Chaldees. God told him to leave that, leave that land and go to a land that he was going to show him and then a land that he would give him. And he said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to give you a seed, an offspring, and the land. And the blessings of all the world would come through you. So Abraham left and went to what we call Israel. And he knew that the seed was supposed to come through him, which would be born, which would be the Messiah. Well, at various times, God would come back and remind Abraham of the promise. But time went by and nothing happened. And so Sarah, his wife, had no child, and she told Abraham, why don't you take Hagar, my handmaid, and, and have a child with, with her? And, and in that culture sometimes, they could take a handmaid and have a child, and it would count it, 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 as the son, because it would be his son. Well, they did that, and Ishmael was born. But that was not the promised son that God said. And so in a sense, they did it the wrong way, and that's why he sometimes, as, as Paul writes in the book of Galatians, he, he likes as, as Hagar and, and Ishmael as law and grace, I mean law and works and that kind of thing. He's really a picture of the flesh doing things in our own way rather than God's way. Well, we found out that when Abraham was 99 years old, that God came back and said, about a year from now, your wife will have the son. And sure enough, just... Just as, it, as he said, it happened, and they named the son Isaac because that means laughter, because they sort of laughed when God told them that. But what happened is, is uh, Isaac was born, and, and uh, everything was going good until he was weaned. He was about two, two and a half years old, and they were going to have a party for him. You know, that's what they did. They were going to have a weaning party. <laughs> and so at, at the party, what happened was this. Ishmael made fun of Isaac. Sarah is watching, and here's little Isaac, two, two and a half years old. Here's Ishmael, maybe 15. And he's making fun. He's making fun. She says, he's not going to make fun of my son. Get that guy out of here. I don't like him all anyway. Ever since Hagar had that child, uh, Sarah's not liked it. And, of course, you can't blame her. It's all their fault, but you can't blame her. And, and, and when Hagar was pregnant, you know she said things like, guess what, I'm pregnant and you're not. And so Sarah even then wanted, wanted to get rid of all of them. Well, now she goes straight to Abraham and says, I will not put up with this. And we saw last time when we looked through this that this is really this whole idea of, of this conflict and uh, Ishmael is a picture of flesh and works, and Isaac is a picture of faith of the promise and the conflict. In a sense, Ishmael is a, the descendants of Ishmael and, and later on became, in a sense, the Arabs. And Isaac, of course, Isaac to Jacob to Joseph and on down in Judah as the Jewish people. And so the conflict starts right there, which is still going on to today. And uh, we see those pictures of Ishmael's works because the flesh of Abraham produced Ishmael while the promise of God produced Isaac. And there's always a conflict. Listen, there's always a conflict between grace and law. It's always that way. When you tell people there's grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, they go, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, 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 no. You, you can't say that. You, that's too easy. You can't tell people to believe in Jesus and they'd be saved. There's more to it than that. You can't just say that. You can't just believe in Jesus and have eternal life. You've got to be willing to do this or do this or do this or do this. There's always the conflict between law and grace. Always is. 
Always will be. Between faith and works. Between Ishmael, the child of works in the flesh, and Isaac, the child of promise and grace. Grace and works cannot go together. Romans 11:6. if his grace is no longer works, otherwise grace is no longer what? Grace. How many works do you have to have to have it? Works. <laughs> just one. Even people say things, well, you don't really have to do that, but you just have to be willing to do that. Same thing. Over and over. And I talked about it a lot this morning because the passage in Philippians where Paul was really dealing with that issue of having no confidence, no confidence in the flesh, but all the glory in Jesus Christ. And how he says everything. I just count it as nothing to know Christ as Savior. Well, as we see tonight, they're going to remove Ishmael. And once again, God intervenes, provides, and protects. Now, first thing I want you to understand, the removing of Ishmael is the protection of Isaac. God is protecting Isaac. Isaac is the promised son. The the Messiah is going to come from, from Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob and Jacob to Judah all the way down to David and all the way down to Jesus. What if this older boy decides one day that while nobody's watching, he's going to take care of that little guy? Because he don't like him. Because even though I'm the oldest son, Ishmael, this guy's getting everything. I'm sort of the outcast over here. I'm the son of the slave. I got nothing. Just let me get my hands on that little guy. So God is really protecting Isaac by removing Ishmael. But as we look tonight, we're going to see that God is going to protect Ishmael as well. And then when it's all over, we're going to see God is going to protect Abraham as well. Because God is the provider, protector. Well, look what happened. Look back at verse 10 of twenty-one of chapter 21. where Well, actually verse 9. Look at it. says, Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, mocking. This is when they had the great feast. Verse 8 says they had a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. And they're, they're having the big feast. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, mocking. She said, he's not going to get away with that. Therefore, she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be heir with my son, Isaac. I'm not going to put up with this. They're not going to be any connection. I don't want anybody to think he's going to get anything. I'm just not going to put up with it. Drive them out. Now, Isaac, think about Abraham. Does Abraham love Ishmael? He sure does. That's his son. Now, it's not the son through Sarah. It's the son through Hagar. And she says, get, that, get them out of here. And he goes, I, I, I just don't, I just don't, I don't know. I don't think that's right. I just don't think we ought to do that. I don't know what we should do. But I, I know, I know the promise. But this is a good boy. Verse 12, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. God just came right to him and said to him. Now, you know, we read this all the time, right? How did God come to him? How did he say this to him? It was Abraham just standing around, and all of a sudden, God goes, Hello. Oh, hi. Good to see you. Well, listen, I wanted to tell you something. And then he disappeared. How did he do it? The Bible talks about Abraham talking to God, God talking to Abraham, and the Old Testament says that a lot. And we go, We never stop and think, How did he do that? It doesn't say he came to him in a dream. 
I mean, there are times the Bible says, and in a dream, God said to him. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it was a dream. I don't know. Was it just God saying, Abraham? Yeah, sir. It's me. I'm God. I'm here. You can't see me, but I'm here. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. It could be. We don't know. When we get to chapter 22, it came out after these things that God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Does he see God? We don't know. Probably not. So God said to Abraham, Don't be distressed because of the lad you're made. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through Isaac your descendants shall be named. This is the key. The descendants are coming through Isaac. Isaac. Through Jacob. And Jacob through the twelve. Now, I love verse 13. And of the son of the maid, listen to what God says, I will make him a nation also. Why? Why is he going to make him a nation? Because he is your descendant. You remember the promise at the very beginning? Abraham got his name changed from Abram, big daddy, to Abraham, father of many nations. He said, don't worry about the boy, the lad. How old is this lad? Maybe 15, 16, 17, we don't know how old, but he's not he's not four or five years old, and he's not ten or eleven years old. And you read this passage, um, he seems to act awfully young. But he says, You don't have to worry. I'm gonna make him a nation, a, a nation of him also, because he's your descendant. Wow. What's gonna happen? We're gonna see the provision and protection. As God intervenes. Now what we don't always realize is God has already intervened with protection. He's protecting Isaac. Now he's going to protect Ishmael. Look what happens. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, put them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. That's the southern part of Israel. That's getting now now near the Sinai, Sinai Peninsula in that whole area. Uh, that's the south, way deep. And so Abraham rose and sent them out. Made them leave. Looks bad for Ishmael. Looks bad for Hagar. Where are they going to go? Who do they know? You know, Abraham, you know, if you remember, when you picture all this, don't picture Abraham and one tent, okay? How many soldiers did Abraham have that time he went to battle? 318 soldiers. They All of them probably have families. I mean, it's not Abraham and one little tent out there. It's a bunch of people. It's his household. He's rich. He's wealthy. He's big time. And he says, see y'all later. Where are they going to go? Well, look what happens. Verse 15. When the water was in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. The water was used up. He may be 16 years old by this time. Wonder why he... Because we're going to see this. He's about the one to die. She's not about to die. Wonder why. Have you ever thought about why he's about to die and not her? Because if you notice, it says she went down and sat opposite him. And she said, don't let me see the boy die. Why is he, the 16-year-old boy, about to die and she's not? Who do you think has been drinking the water? 
Probably the mama. The boy's saying, I'm not drinking it, mama. You drink it, mama. You need it. You need it, mama. I mean, he hadn't had any water for a while. Obviously, this has been a, this has been a while. And it's hot out there. So what happened? She went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away. For she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. And I'm going to show you something that if you don't read it carefully, you'll miss this. I pictured that she's got him over there. And she comes far enough away, about a bow shot away. And she's saying, I just can't bear to watch him die. And what does she do? She cries. She lifted up her voice and wept. And what we think is that God hears her what? Crying. And says, hey, hey, don't don't cry. Don't cry. I'm going to take care of everything. Look what the next verse says. God heard the lad crying. It doesn't say anything about hearing her crying. The God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar. He hears the boy crying. Why is the boy crying? He's going to die. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter with you, Hagar? Does that seem just a touch harsh? What's the matter with you? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice. He didn't say he has heard your voice. He said the voice of the lad where he is. Now, she didn't want to see the boy die, and it looked hopeless to her. She loved her son. They're exiled. It looks like it's all over. It looks like he's going to die. Sometimes we're in situations that look hopeless in it. And we look at it and we go, gosh, what, what's, what's, the, what's the use? I mean, it's hopeless. This, nothing's going to be able to change this, but God can. God can do anything. Nothing's hopeless with God. So God heard the lad crying and says to Hagar, now notice it says the angel of God. Best we can tell, this is probably the same as the angel of the Lord. Angel of the Lord is God, because the angel of the Lord is going to speak. The angel of God is going to speak and say, I've heard this, I will do this. So the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, is God speaking. Most likely it's the pre-incarnate Christ. That's what a lot of people say. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God hears you. Does God hear us? Doesn't he say, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the what? The peace of God will pass us all understanding, guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Let your request be made known. Why should we let our request be made known? He said, well, yeah, but why? He's going to do what? He's going to answer prayers. It may not be exactly like you ask it. It may not be exactly like you say, I want this to happen. He goes, oh, you don't know. Let me do this for you. But he's going to answer our prayers. God is a God who answers prayers. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. But God answers prayers. And that's why he says, don't be anxious for anything. Lift up your prayer request. First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Pray without ceasing. Let it go. He's going to intervene. He provides and protects. There's an old saying. I like it. God's grace keeps pace with whatever we face. Always does. So he says, what's the matter with you, Hagar? You can hear her say, what do you mean what's the matter? I mean, my son's dying and we're out here in the middle of nowhere. Don't fear. For God has heard the voice of the lad. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. 
Second time, if you go back to Genesis chapter 16, verse 10, he says the same thing. There's going to be a nation coming through him. The second time God said this. When she fled the first time away from all this, when Sarah was mean to her when she was pregnant, God said, you're going to have a son, name him Ishmael, because I've heard, I've heard you, and there will be a great nation. God reminds her of the promises. You ever thought about God's promises to us? God always keeps his word. Look, I've got a few up here. Just think about these. He's promised us protection, right? Hebrews 13, I'll never leave you, forsake you. What should you fear? We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid of anything. you got the Almighty God who goes with us wherever we go. How about power, uh, provision? My God shall supply all your what? All your needs. According to his riches glory in Christ Jesus. He didn't say out of his riches and glory. He said according to his riches and glory. See, if he has a million, then if it's out of a million, he could give you a dollar. If it's according to it, it's got a million, he's giving you a million. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide everything that you need. He empowers. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through the, through the one who strengthens me. Through Christ who strengthens me. That's the power. He, he gives us security. I, I give you eternal life and you shall what? Never what? Never perish. Nobody can pluck you out of his hand. And the Father gave him just greater than all. Nobody can pluck him out of the Father's hand. Jesus said, I am the Father of one. Provision. Protection. Empowerment. Security. Those are just some of the promises. I mean, there's a bunch of promises that God has given us. He always keeps his word. He's faithful to intervene. Now, we've seen that he is there to protect and intervene with Isaac, and he did by removing Ishmael. Now he's going to be faithful to protect Ishmael and provide because here's Ishmael in the middle of nowhere about to die. His mother's over there crying because she didn't want to see the boy die. And God says, I've heard the lad. Go get his hand. Lift up the lad. I will make a great nation of him. And look, and she could say, how? How? Because there's nothing out here. We're in the middle of... What is that? That's a well. I didn't see that well a while ago. Where did that well come from? I didn't see any well. Did you see any well? Look what it says. She, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. Was that well there a while ago? What do you think? You think she just went, oh, I can't see any well and there's one right there? If you're out there about to, about to uh, thirst to death... Do you think you'd spot a whale? Most likely. All of a sudden there's a whale. Now she may have just missed it. Then again God may have said, let's just put a whale there. God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with the water and gave the lad a drink. The lad. He's okay now. God provides. The God of all creation can handle any situation. He can. When things look bad, you have to keep the focus on Christ. That's the only way, because we know that He is the provider protector. We know that He's going to take care of us and provide for us. So we get a little summary. God was with the lad, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. An archer. He can shoot that bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. That's his, that's his summary. Will we see him again? What's going to happen to him? What happens to his offspring? All we know is he married an Egyptian. We see God's faithfulness provides God's faithfulness, first of all, provides a son, Isaac, and then protects him by removing Ishmael. 
Then he provides Ishmael with water to keep him alive. Great nation. Over and over. Provides and protects. Provides and protects. Now there's one more event in this chapter. It's the end of the chapter, from verse 22 through 34. We see two people, Abraham and Abimelech. Do anybody remember the story of Abraham and Abimelech? Notice verse 22. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now let's stop for a second. Abimelech comes to Abraham. Abraham's been living around where Abimelech has property. Who, who Abimelech's sort of a king, and, and he's got an area there, and he's, a, and he's got a commander of his army, and he comes to Abraham. Now, uh, he was the king of Gera. If you remember what happened, that when Abraham moved down in that region, Abraham had been a liar. hate to say it, but he had been a liar because he'd been telling uh, people that Sarah was his sister. She was his half-sister, but the truth is he was telling them she was his sister because he thought they would take care of him and protect him because she was beautiful. Even though, how old is she now? My gracious, well, she was 90 when she had the son, but he, he, she's probably 93, 94 years old now. But even when she was 80-something, you know, 90-something, here, you know, he, he took her. Abimelech took her because Abraham said, she's my sister. He said, well, that's fine with me. And then God comes in and says, hey, you're a dead man because that's a married woman. And he said, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I'm, not, I'm not touching her. I haven't touched her. And so he comes to Abraham and he says, guess what, Abraham? You're a liar. You're a liar. You lied to me. You told me this. You got me in trouble. You got me in trouble with God. You almost got us all killed. And Abraham went, well, I, I didn't think anybody believed in God around here, so that's why I lied. And Abimelech in a nice way said, why don't you go somewhere else? Now, Abimelech comes back. Why does he come back? Why does he bring the commander of his army with him? Notice verse 22. It came about that at that time Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. That's one reason he wants to talk to Abraham because he knows that whatever Abraham does, God is what? With him. Notice the second verse, though, verse 23. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal false with me or with my offspring or with my prosperity, but according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you will show to me into the land in which you have sojourned. See, there's two things that Abimelech knew about Abraham. Here's what they are. That God was with him and that he was a liar. What does he say to him? God is with you. Now, therefore, swear to me that you will not deal falsely with me, that you will not lie to me again. Or my offspring, or my posterity, and according to the kindness that I've shown you, because I've been really nice to you, I want you to be nice to me. Me and my offspring. So Abimelech comes to Abraham and basically says, Listen, I know... You're a dangerous man because God is with you. And whatever you do, God's on your side. But you've lied to me. And I'm going to ask you from now on if you will not lie to me anymore while you're living among my, my area. In fact, I just asked you if you won't lie to my posterity and lie to my family and my offspring and, and all of these things. And that you'll show kindness just like I've shown you kindness. So what did Abraham do? Look at verse 24. Abraham said, I swear it. That seems like that should be the end of it, but there's a problem. Abraham has a problem with Abimelech. And so Abraham says, 
Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. The best we can understand is Abraham had dug a well, and and basically had that was his water there. And some of Abimelech's soldiers, or some of Abimelech's people, uh, came and they took it. And Abraham says, "Hey, that, that's 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 my well." And they said, "No, no, no, that's Abimelech's well. We work for Abimelech. This is Abimelech's property. That's Abimelech's well." And Abraham said, "I dug the well." Oh, okay, we'll wait. One of these days, one of these days. And then Abimelech comes, and he says, by the way, there's one thing I want to talk to you about. That's my well over there, and your people came and took it. Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. Now, Abimelech is a man of integrity. You know what he said? He said, well, that's the first time I've ever heard of that. I didn't know that happened. You never came to me and told me they took the well. And, you, and that's the first I've ever heard of this, that somebody took your well. What's Abimelech going to do? So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. They're going to make a covenant. They're going to settle the thing. They're going to make a covenant. And, and you know what Abimelech is saying? I make this right. You know what I've seen out of Abimelech through all of this? That he's a man of what? Integrity. You know, what's the amazing thing is Abimelech looks like a man of integrity, and Abraham doesn't look like a man of integrity, right? But let me tell you what God is doing. He's working in Abraham's life right now. He's fixing to protect Abraham. Because he's saying this is going to be, this is Abraham's well. Abraham's going to need this well. And he's going to take care of Abraham. He's getting Abraham ready for the biggest test of his life. What's chapter after chapter 21? It's chapter 22. And in chapter 22, God tells Abraham to take his son Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. That's coming up next chapter. Wow. So here's what they do. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. They made an agreement. You know what they did with those sheep and oxen? What do you think? They cut them in two. That's exactly They're going to make a covenant. So they're going to take those oxen, they're going to cut them in two, and then Abimelech and Abraham are going to grab arms, and they're going to walk in between those animals. That's signing the covenant. That's signing the agreement. Basically saying, if either one of us break our word, somebody's going to cut us in two. That's basically what it is. So they made a covenant. But look what happened. Abraham took the sheep and the oxen and gave to Abimelech, and the two of them made the covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of a flock by themselves. And now he pulls them and pulls little seven lambs out. And Abimelech said to Abraham, whoa, whoa, what, what do these seven lambs mean? Why have you set them by themselves? What, what, are you, what are you doing? And Abraham said, he said, you shall take these seven lambs from my hand, so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. You know what Abraham's saying? He said, I'm going to make sure that there's no mistake. I'm giving you seven lambs. You take those. That's saying, you're understanding that that is my well. Abimelech could go, wait a minute. Well, you don't have to do that because I've already given you my word. We've already cut a covenant. But Abraham said, no, no, I, I want you to take, I want this to be a witness to me that I dug this well. When he takes the lambs, when Abimelech takes the lambs, he admits that the well belongs to Abraham. That's what he's doing. So look what happens. Therefore he called that place Beersheba because the two of them took an oath. Beersheba means the well of the seven. 
the will of the seven sheep, seven lambs. So they made the covenant. Look what happened. It says, so they made a covenant at Beersheba and Abimelech, and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. They moved back to their, their little area. They got the agreement now. They said to Abraham, please don't lie to me anymore. I know God is with you, and I asked you to show kindness to me. And Abraham said, yeah, but i got one problem, the well. And he said, okay, let's solve it right now. And they solved it. And then he said, take these little, little lambs, and that proves that that is my land. And so they said, my well, and they left. And Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. And there, now watch, there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. I think this is powerful. Because I think what's happened in Abraham's life is that up to this point, he's been sort of loose with a lot of things. He hadn't tied things up real tight. He stretches it a little bit when he thinks it's to his advantage. But I think he's realizing that if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do what God wants me to do, if I'm gonna be the man God wants me to be, I I gotta not stretch things anymore. I gotta do what God tells me to do. And so he says he he called on the name of the Lord, and if you notice it's L O R D all capitals, that's the personal name of God. And notice how he's described in this passage the everlasting God. Now I think there's a reason for that. At this point, he is emphasizing the eternality of God. Because what's going to happen in the next chapter? He's going to put to death his son. The son that the promise has to come through. The eternality there. And I think we'll see what happens. And and it goes on to say that Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. What have we seen is the provision and protection we saw the provision and protection. The provision was Isaac. The protection was removing Ishmael. We saw the provision and protection from Ishmael. He got him the water, and he's going to make him a great nation. And now we see the same thing, the provision and protection of Abraham. Here comes Phicol and, uh, and, and Abimelech, and it all ends up that Abraham gets the well. They made the deal. They made the agreement, and he's calling upon the name of the everlasting God, the Lord. God is preparing Abraham for his biggest test. Now, I want you to think about something for just a second. Would you put to death your child? Now, we all read passages in the Bible, and we say, oh, yeah, you know, that's a passage in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, they were different than those days. They're any different. They came to you and said, I want you to take that, that uh, child of yours. And I don't want you to just go up there and, and you all have a sacrifice and have a meal I want you to go up there, and I want you to sacrifice that child. And I don't want you to just uh, cut his arm. I want you to cut his throat and burn him completely up. Burn offering. Yeah, he did. If you were Abraham, would you say, I think I'm going about as far as I'm going to go. But Abraham says, pack up the donkeys, and we're leaving tomorrow. And we're going to make a three-day journey. And we're going to go to the place that God told us. And i got a couple of servants with me. And I'm going to tell them that we, the, the boy and I, are going up there. And we're going to worship. And the boy and I are coming back. How's that going to be? 
powerful. Next time he obeys God concerning his son Isaac. We've seen God protects, protects Isaac by removing Ishmael. Then he sees the provision and protection of Ishmael. And then we see the provision and protection of Abraham. So our applications are simple. Realize that God is faithful to provide and protect. That's what he does. He, we see it over and over and over in the Bible. Alan Ross, who was a Hebrew professor at Dallas Seminary, he said, God is, God's faithfulness in fulfilling the promise, protecting Isaac, Ishmael, and Abraham. And think about our lives. How does God provide and protect? First of all, He provides for us Jesus Christ, His Savior. He sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. There's our provision. He protects us day after day after day. He'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? He'll provide everything that we need. He protects us. God keeps His word. The second thing is remember the contrast between Isaac and Ishmael. Uh, it's a picture of what? I think the next slide is uh, Isaac is grace, promise, Faith, Ishmael is works and flesh. I mean, it's sad to say, but that's what it is. And Paul uses it that way. We're not just making that up. That comes from Paul the Apostle in the book of Galatians, where he talks about that whole issue. And the truth is this. We either come to God like an Ishmael, our works, or we come to God like Isaac, and that's the promise. We want to clearly, clearly proclaim the great truth. Let's get the last one, and then we'll have our party. Let's be people of integrity. I mean, think about it, Abimelech. All the way through. He's a man of integrity. When he, when he found out something was wrong, what did he do? Let's correct it right now. It's easy for us to do what's right when it's convenient or to our advantage. It's not always easy to do what's right when it's to our disadvantage. We need to do what is right regardless. It is, it is hard. Let's be people of integrity. Let's live by the Scripture. Let's stand out. Let's be lights in a fallen world. Let's be different. May we trust God who provides and protects us as we live as people of integrity in a fallen world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the passage. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy to us. Lord, as we think about this, uh, we realize you are faithful to provide and protect in everything. You sent us your son, Jesus Christ. You take care of us day after day after day. You are the provider and protector. May we never take it for granted. Thank you, Lord, that when we look at these two lives, we see a picture in the Bible of the contrast of grace and works and that Ishmael is a picture of works and Isaac is a picture of grace. Thank you that we approach you and come to you by grace and not our works. And thank you, Lord, for uh, even giving us the picture of of men uh, and people of integrity in the Bible. And that's what we want to be. We want to be men and women of integrity. Lord, we want to love you. We want to live for you. We want our lives to count for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.